0: ladies and gentlemen welcome to a crazy episode of downtown sports today we're going to be going over a lot of different things we're going to be going over a a bit of a court case situation where lawyers are saying plaintiffs are lying, plaintiffs are saying defendants are lying. We've got women claiming that they feared for their lives. Meanwhile, they had family members sitting in the same room. We have a lot of things to go over. This Sean Watson stuff is nuts. This is downtown sports. I am the mouth of the South,
1: John Schiavone, along with
0: my co host, the beast of the East, John the Pariente. This is downtown sports. This is where sports come home. But here's the thing. We can't get into that just yet. We have something we have to do first. If you listen to our other NBA episode this week, the one that features Keith Smith, we had to start that episode by going through the NBA playoff scenario one more time. Our sponsors asked us to do a quick little ditty. Nothing too major, but they wanted to know what's going on with the playoff scenarios in the NHL. We're going to go through this, like we always do, just once. Not going to do this again, and I don't care if digital market battles will throw us more money, say they'll help us with more things. Nope. One time, and one time only, Beast is going to go over the entire scenario. Chris DeLarge did a lot of work preparing the NHL playoff format for dummies. Let's premiere this right now so that you all know what's going on with the NHL playoffs. Beast, please educate these people. Yes. Okay,
2: so this year's NHL playoffs compared to last year is going to be very different. Last year, because of COVID, the NHL did a crazy round-robin-style tournament. So basically, if you finished For one through four, round robin to determine seeding. And then five through 12, six, seven, and eight seeds. It was a 56-game season this year for the NHL. All teams play in their own division, which is sponsored by and separated all. Canada teams play against Canadian teams. The West stays in the West. The East stays in the East. The way this is going to work this year, four teams of each division make it into the playoffs. That's how it's going to be. Very simple. No round robins, no headache, no confusion, no play in tournaments. Whoever's in the top four, in the west, east, north,
0: the central. Once we figure out who's in, because that sounds confusing as hell to me. Yeah. Well, in the NHL, you get points for every win that you get. A win is
2: two points. A loss in overtime or in a shootout is one point. A loss in regulation, zero points. Okay. So at the end of the day, the most points that determines who makes who's the 1 seed, who's the 2 seed, who's the 3 and who's the 4. Cuz remember, you are not playing any teams from other divisions this year. You're playing only
0: within your own division. Okay. Right? So So t- let's say um a team in the West Division has like 70 points. And they would have made the postseason if they were in another division, they are still out because they did not get into the top four of their division. That's how this works, correct? I'm gonna explain how yes, I'm gonna
2: explain that right here
0: and right now. So the top four teams in each division
2: are gonna basically play each other in the quarterfinals. The one plays the four, the two plays the three. That's the quarterfinals first. Okay. The semis will then be the winner of one versus four and the winner of two versus three. Okay. The winner of the semis, the final four, will be seeded by points. So in this format, in the semifinals, you'll have two series of East and West teams. And then when you get to the championship, the Stanley Cup final, East versus West. How crazy is that going to be? So
0: what happens to Central and Scotia North? Where (laughs) do those divisions get absorbed when these playoff rankings happen? Get the notepads. What is it, Beast? Because this is hard to figure out. Yeah, it's very confusing. I'm, the round so robin head. For dummies is confusing. So let me, let, me, let me just do this real quick. So you're the East, right? you got the top four teams. So the first round of the playoffs for the East consists of one versus four in a playoff series, two versus three in a playoff series. The winner of that, of those two series, play each other to determine who gets out of that division.
2: That's going to be determining the winner of the semis. Yes.
0: Right. So let's say that, so the central and the West I'd imagine are grouped against each other and Scotia North and the East are grouped (laughs) against each other. So the semi or you said it was all done based upon points. So once those four teams get out who whichever four teams get out will then be reseeding. So let's say the Rangers made the playoffs. They were the last seed. However, every other last seed won their division, and they ended up with the best record. They would then be seeded one.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the winners of the semis will be seeded by points, as I said, and we could have two series of East and West teams. Two series. Remember that. Mm -hmm. We could have the possibility when you get to the cup final, it could be an all-East and an all-West cup final. It could be either a team, just teams from the East or teams from the West. It could be any of that for the Stanley Cup final. So all the games, every
0: round will be best of seven. Okay, no five-game series. Uh, No best of five, no best of three. It's best of seven. All right, so to get this all out of the way so that we know what's going on, we're going to go from the beginning, get your notepads, and we're going to write this all down. Are you ready, class? So we got the four divisions. North, East, Central, and West. Those four divisions will have a first round of playoffs where one will play four and two will play three. Then the winners of those two series will play each other to see which team wins that division. You will then have four division winners, which will then be reseeded. Based upon regular season points or additional postseason points on top of?
2: It's just seeded by points. So uh, it could probably, it very likely will just be by the points they accumulated in the regular season.
0: Okay. So then if whoever ends up being the one or the four seed, doesn't matter if you were the one seed, two seed, three seed, four seed in your division, if you have the most amount of points in that semifinals, you will then become the number one seed for the rest of the playoffs. and then things things will go on as normally we have the eastern and western conference championships which will consist of scotia north versus the east and central versus the west and then those or depending upon who's one or four you're gonna see how that goes and then the winner of those two series play each other for the stanley cup
2: so confusing the your Wrap your head around that for just a brief moment, people.
0: You have to get out of your division, then you get reseeded one through four for the conference championship and the Stanley Cup final. You then have to win two series and you win the championship. So it's the same idea, it's just a different structure and setup of how you get to the Cup finals.
2: Now, also, the question to answer the next question where will these games be played? That's a question a lot of people wanted to ask because remember, the NHL did a bubble last year. There's not going to be a bubble this year. They're going to allow teams to play in their home arenas. So that should be very interesting. And again, fans are back in the stands now. Some stadiums different than others. Some arenas are going
0: to allow more fans, than others some are still not allowing fans at all. My question is this: What happens if the Scotian North? What happens with the Scotia North team? Are Canadian Athletes going to be able to travel to America and play, or conversely, are American athletes going to be able to travel up to Canada?
2: That's why this playoff is that's why these playoffs are going to be very, very weird this year because normally when you get to the cup final, it's east versus west, it's not east versus east, it's not west versus west. That's not usually how the Stanley Cup finals go. If it were you're not going to see
0: east versus east, you can't see east versus east.
2: Well, based on how the playoffs are going to be aligned this year, and because we're playing under very special circumstances, there's a good possibility that this year will be a different story than any other year in the past.
0: I mean, the only way you could see a quote-unquote East versus East matchup in the Stanley Cup Finals is if, an Eastern Division team wins and a Scotia North team wins.
2: Yeah, because you do have some of these Canadian teams did play originally in the Eastern Conference.
0: And some that's of them in the West us. too.
2: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So if you're Edmonton, if you're Calgary, you're uh, Winnipeg, you that's Western Canada. You play in the Western, that's a Western Conference, fine. But if you're the Maple Leafs, if you're the Canadians, you play in the East. Yep. So it's a very different... So this could be a very, very unique setup for this year's playoff. So, And we may never see this again.
0: What is the backup plan if athletes are not allowed to travel to Canada?
2: I mean, just like I'm sure the NHL has done already, there's going to be COVID protocol just like everything else. And remember now, the Vancouver Canucks finally got back to playing their games again after they had an outbreak of COVID-19.
0: And we're, I understand that, but are American athletes going to be allowed into Canada? So far,
2: I couldn't say.
0: So we tried to give you a guide on the NHL playoffs, and there are still some questions that are left to be answered. For example, once the Scotia North League is done, we've got a Scotia North League champion. What happens if they're the one seed and the entire playoffs go through Canada? Mm. What happens to the other teams? Do they lose their home games because they have to travel up north mm. because they have to quarantine for 14 days before they can play? Because you know, Canada has rules for people coming from our country? Well, the NHL is definitely
2: uh, trying to, I guess, figure out the answer to that. I have found some uh, pieces here. What will happen? for the Canadian teams in the playoffs. How is this going to work playing out of your own arena? I would think they would have to allow some, they will allow like some limited travel, particularly if it's particularly playoff team, hockey teams or any of that stuff.
0: Well, you never know. And that's the one part of this story that, Well, we assume we're going to see teams go to Canada and play against uh, whoever the Canadian Scotia North League winner is. But here's the thing. I don't believe that the laws are going to change in time to allow teams that are U.S.-based to fly in and play. So as much as the NHL wants to say that everything is going to go along smoothly as planned, That's one big monkey wrench, big elephant in the room that nobody seems to have addressed yet. When we come back, we're bringing in Pat Creighton, and we've got to talk about some stuff with Deshaun Watson. That case has blown up. We have almost two dozen accusers. And now Deshaun Watson's lawyer, Rusty Harden, has called every single one of them a liar. Back after this. And we're back to downtown sports. I'm the mouth of the South, John Shavoni along with my co-host, the Beast of the East, Jonathan Perriente. And um, we went through that NHL playoff scenario real, real quick. But now we have to get into this whole crazy Deshaun Watson situation. More developments. Everyone's a liar. Who's lying to who? Who's zooming? Who? Literally. All of those questions will be answered in a minute, but first beast, where can they hear us? We're available on 13 different platforms
2: on Anchor, Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Castbox, Bullhorn, Podbay, Listen Notes, and Podcast Addict. 13 platforms ranch episodes Digital
0: Market Battles every Tuesday, Wednesday. All right, so I would like to bring in right now the best late night host in Houston, the host of late hits on ESPN radio, ladies and gentlemen, our buddy, Pat Creighton back on downtown sports, Pat. I mean, we all know the story just just to get everybody caught up. Um, the last time we touched the subject with Pat, Deshaun Watson had a Baker's dozen accusing him, um, The lawyer for the Instagram models was very shady. And since then, we've now had, I believe, nine more accusations. And now we have the lawyer of Deshaun Watson, Mr. Rusty Harden, saying that every lady who's accused Deshaun Watson is a liar. So can you help us dissect all of this?
1: Well, I mean, clearly, this is everyone who speaks lies. So we shouldn't believe any of them. They're all full of crap. And uh, is there a way we can throw a book at all? I mean, so I don't know. from <laughs> the last time we talked, there were 13 accusers, uh, well, 13 lawsuits. There are currently 22 lawsuits. Of those 22, there were actually a total of 23 filed. One has withdrawn her lawsuit, but she didn't want to acknowledge who she was publicly uh, and, and deal with any of that, so she just backed out. Then Tony Buzzi went and fa- followed a, another lawsuit to bring the number back up to 22. Several of these women have filed a criminal complaint with local law enforcement. Oh, so now not-
0: we finally have criminal complaints being filed. There are complaints
1: civil. filed. Okay. Uh, the various police departments are investigating said claims, but there are no charges currently against Deshaun Watson. Okay. Uh, Rusty Harden had to go to court mm-hmm. and file a motion to get Tony Busby to release the names of the accusers. Busby wouldn't release any of the names. Uh, apparently, civil lawsuits do not have the same. Uh, protections as criminal lawsuits. If you want the money, you have to say who you are. Mm. So Tony Busby refused to give those names and told Rusty Harden, if you want the names, go file a motion. So he did. And he got the court to give him the names. And then Tony said, well, you know, I mean, I was going to give you the names anyway. Tony is a lying sack. Okay. That being said, on Monday, Rusty Harden, now that he's had a week to find out, you know, do some homework on these women who have made these allegations, they went and did some homework. And then he released his response in which he claims, you know, uh, there's a handful of women who have lied about how many times they saw Deshaun. There's uh, others who have lied about uh, their trauma that they they claim they've got all this trauma and they can't work, but they're still working uh, and may have even offered to work with Deshaun again. There are others who have claimed that, uh, you know, from the date they claim that Deshaun may have either uh, been either a sexual assault or sexual misconduct, that since that time, they have volunteered to work with Deshaun again. Which of course, if somebody sexually assaults you or uh, you know conducts themselves inappropriately sexually around you, and it causes you to have, to have you know trauma, you certainly would not want to work with that person again.
0: I would agree with that statement. Uh, hard,
1: there are a whole list, and I'm not going to sit here and read them to you because it's boring as hell. Yeah. Uh, but there's a whole list, and he goes through them, and some of them he even names by name which ones. Some of them it's easy to figure out when they talk about. Uh, one of them had a business manager who said, uh, this is an extortion, it's blackmail. Uh, we believe that uh, Rusty has figured that out to be lawsuit number three. So this was Rusty's chance to hit back. For over a month, Tony Busby, who claimed he wasn't going to try this uh, in the media, has used social media to denounce and defame and, and bring down Deshaun Watson <laughs> Well, on Monday, Rusty Harden hit that. And the only response Tony Busby has since been able to come up with was, oh, well, they're lying.
2: Is there a confidence that maybe Deshaun Watson and his legal team could clear his name? Is there a very good confidence in his name being cleared
1: with all 22 of these lawsuits? Define clearing his name. Are we talking about not paying settlements? Are we talking about restoring his reputation? What are we actually talking Restory, about? Restoring, his reputation. Like there know, is no to chance in hell Deshaun's reputation is ever restored. Wow. Zip, zero, zilch, nada, none. Disagreed. No Disagreed. chance. Disagreed. Be- once somebody, let me explain to you. Once somebody has it out there that uh, they've got some kind of sexual fetish, and you know, this isn't about did he sexually assault women. Now it's, Deshaun's got a a pervy fetish and that's never going to go away. And the fact that he's been accused by 23 women, just represented by Tony Busby, of sexual assault or sexual misconduct, that stain never goes away. Even if he wins, even if he does not pay a settlement to any of them, 23 women, there is going to be a significant segment of the population that is always going to say, well, he was rich, he got off on technicality, it's a civil suit, style. those women are, nobody comes forward, that many women couldn't come forward with all that if he didn't really do it. There is going to be a, a, a segment of the population, a significant segment that is always going to believe he did something wrong. Even if he didn't, they're always going to believe did something wrong the idea of your reputation ever being fully restored it never happens it will take him at least five years to overcome the damage to the point where maybe maybe he can get a sponsor again he has lost every sponsorship he's ever had except one the only one he still has is lefty's cheesesteaks why he's a part owner they can't fire him everybody else has cut ties with them, even though we're not even in court yet, because that's how our society works. Essentially, you're guilty until you're proven innocent, but even if you're proven innocent, you're still kind of guilty.
0: And then do you know what really upsets me even further beyond all of this? So let's say he really is completely 100% innocent. He doesn't get cleared. Do you know who's going to get attacked? Not the lawyer, not the uh, scummy lawyer who represented these 23 women. It's going to be the 23 women. And then any other woman who uh, alleges that an athlete committed sexual assault, then they're going to go back and say, oh, well, look at what happened with Deshaun Watson. That wasn't true. This isn't true either. This is the kind of garbage that sets back the women's movements, that sets back proper treatment of women. And it just targets everybody that it doesn't need to target to me. Mr. Busby, like you said before, I believe every woman that comes with an accusation and they all should be checked, thoroughly investigated and all of that. But when your lawyer has lied as many times as Busby's lied, I don't, the thing is, I love how his name isn't the one being dragged through the media. It's this Instagram model or that Instagram masseuse who said this about her family member being there and she felt unsafe and all this other stuff. Instead of blaming the lawyer for all the inconsistencies, they're blaming the clients for all the inconsistencies that the lawyer has come up with. That, this entire case is a whirlwind of garbage. I don't know where to even make heads or tails of it, but the one question I have is how many criminal charges have actually been filed? We know we have 22 civil lawsuits or 23. How many criminal charges have actually been filed? None. Zero. Report Zero criminal
2: charges. A report has come out that at least two of the accusers have agreed to meet with the NFL. Uh,
1: yeah, It's not going to change look, anything. And that no, something. it's not. And, and this is why, you know, this is something that I brought up at the time. And I said, you know, for all of you Dallas Cowboy haters, your team could be next. The Ezekiel Elliott case is not just the linchpin, but it's the turning point in how these cases are litigated and presumed by the NFL. So in the Ezekiel Elliott case, there is one ex-girlfriend. And look, we know Zeke had a lot of girlfriends and this girl apparently didn't like it. One ex-girlfriend for Zeke Elliott claimed that he beat her up. And in the course of the investigation, it turned out Zeke never laid a hand on her. She actually got involved in a fight with other women in a parking lot while stalking Zeke. And she got caught lying, admitted to lying, got caught trying to get other people to lie for her, admitted to that. The NFL had a, a lead investigator who was female who recommended no suspension for Ezekiel Elliott at the time because it was clear that the complainant was lying. Lisa Friel, who is the special counsel for the NFL, whose background is in sex crimes, told Roger Goodell, take that report, throw it in the garbage, and hit him for the full six games. We need to send a message. The message for Deshaun Watson is going to be a minimum of six games. And it's going to be could possibly be more depending on whether or not she's able to convince Roger Goodell that, hey, we have 23 lawsuits filed. That means he must have violated the personal <laughs> conduct policy at least 23 times. Therefore, we should suspend him more than six games because that would be for one offense. There is a possibility and it's a good possibility. Deshaun could be getting a year suspension. He could get what they call the indefinite suspension where after one year uh, they have to uh, apply for reinstatement. We don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson from that regard. What we know is Lisa Friel's history says she's less interested in actual facts and more interested in handing down significant punishment to, quote, send a message. Because Ezekiel Elliott was basically found by both law enforcement and the NFL to have done nothing wrong and still suspended. When was the last time you saw Ezekiel Elliott get a sponsorship? He got suspended for basically domestic assault, even though he didn't commit any. So if you're talking, well, Deshaun Watson's gonna get suspended for sexual misconduct or sexual mis- uh, assault, even if he doesn't commit any. Yeah, that's, that's very much going to happen. It set a precedent in the NFL that accusations are equally as damaging as actual evidence. You didn't have to be guilty. Roger Goodell, as affirmed by the courts via the CBA, has the authority. The term was broad powers. That's how it's written out in the CBA, and that's how the courts used it, broad powers to determine who does and who does not get suspended for whatever the hell he wants. It's Roger's sandbox and he can do what he wants. That's the long and the shorter. So even if Deshaun were to be completely innocent, the fact that Tony Busby rounded up a bunch of women to say, Hey, he did this. He did that. Whether he did or he didn't, as far as the NFL is concerned, must be guilty. You're going to get suspended. And, and this is the danger to NFL players is Anybody can basically throw an accusation at you and use it as blackmail. You're going to be suspended. And at the time of the Ezekiel Elliott case, the NFLPA, stood on their soapbox and said, we've got to take care of this. I think it's article 46 in the CBA. We've got to take care of this. We have to take back some of this power from Roger Goodell. He cannot be judge, jury, executioner, appellate court. He can't be the be all end all of all punishment. Well, when the new CBA got done last year, what do you think the NFLPA did about article 46 and reducing Roger Goodell's power? What, what, New things do you think they put into the CBA? What do you think they negotiated? How much do you think they reduced that power? Because they what they did is nothing. They are in this because they put themselves in this situation. Every player in the NFL should know if you do anything off the straight and narrow with the wrong person, that person can blackmail you very, very easily. And the NFL does not care.
2: With that being said. Is Deshaun Watson going to ever see playing time in the NFL again? Do you think a team's ever going to take a chance with him and start and have him start again?
1: He's an elite talent, so yes. Despite everything. Uh, well, is Greg are wrong, Hardy can get a second chance after beating the holy hell out of a woman and body slamming her on a bed full of guns and keeping her hostage for a day and a half, all right, and then just use a, a loophole in North Carolina law that says, I can appeal, pay off my victim never to show up and get it thrown out. If that guy can get a second chance, Deshaun Watson, who's an elite talent, yeah, he's going to get a second chance too. So
0: where does the city of Houston lie on this at this point in time? Now that we're about a month uh, removed from the start of this whole thing, we're at 23 lawsuits, no criminal charges, potential criminal charges. Some of them are speaking to the NFL. Some people have backed out. Where's the city of Houston on Deshaun Watson right now? I think the city
1: is very split. Uh, I think the, I would tell you, I think at least half, maybe more of the fans in the city feel like this is a money grab, and they are skeptical if Deshaun did something wrong other than go on Instagram to find a bunch of girls to, you know, give them a happy ending. Let's
2: let's move into the next piece of business in Houston. Uh, It's concerning the Rockets, a recent incident involving Sterling Brown, who was assaulted and suffered facial lacerations. What is uh, some update you have on on Sterling Brown and and his condition right now?
1: Well, from what I understand, his pre-existing injury is why he's not playing, not the the fact he got beat up outside a club in Miami. Um, I would tell you that, you know, look, there's the old saying, nothing good ever happens after midnight. Uh, and, and that's not to put some kind of blame on Sterling Brown because I don't know what the the situation was or, or, or how he wound up in that situation yet. Um, and I don't know that we're going to know all the the details of it. Uh, and certainly there's no excuse for anyone to ever be assaulted, Hmm. but we're in a, a pandemic environment still, even though. Uh, You know, more and more people are getting uh, vaccinated every day and and that's helping control our numbers and and get us into a better spot. where We hope that in a couple of months, you know, our country and our way of life can sort of resume some kind of normalcy pre-pandemic style uh, as the overwhelming majority of people can be vaccinated. But. It's it's unfortunate that and and I don't know if they knew that he was a player or not.
2: Hmm.
1: These are just things that, that occasionally happen and they're unfortunate. He got beat up a little bit. He's got some, he's got some cuts on his face. Bad situation, but certainly not uh, quote, the worst possible situation. Yeah. So it.
0: the last, um, last thing I want to ask about, uh, COVID, but, um, I just wanted to know, now that uh, Texas has allowed full stadiums and everybody could go in and all this other stuff, uh, what's the fallout been from that?
1: Well, the Texas Rangers had a full stadium for opening day, and then they had reduced capacity. Okay. So there was, there was a lot of stuff on social media, obviously, about lack of safety. But I will tell you this, they've done a much better job of getting the vaccines out. This is going on all throughout Texas. So I would say that by the time June rolls around here, we're probably gonna be at a point where anybody that wants a vaccine either has gotten it or can easily get it. And I think that by the time we hit the all-star break, uh, we will see full stadiums probably everywhere.
2: Hmm. could be very I'd look forward to that let's dive in uh, i want to get you out of here on this pat last uh, last piece here um kind of an interesting note both of our baseball teams are kind of in very interesting spots right now yankees have been playing poorly so have the astros both of them are in last place in their division right now did you ever imagine houston was going to kind of start off the way they had. They they got off to a good start, then COVID hit, Bregman, Altuve missed time. And the Astros right now are struggling to score runs. The Oakland A's have come out of nowhere so far and have won 10 in a row. As, are you are you
1: concerned a little bit for the Astros right now? It's still very early. It's a it's way too early for people to be panicking. We're 2 weeks into a season of 162 games. Of course. I mean literally there's 150 games left. Okay. So the the panickers even for the Yankees who are struggling more so than any team was expected to struggle way too early for people to be hitting the panic button. I mean, look, it's, it's Mm -hmm. baseball, not football, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of season left. Of course. Uh, You know, it's like 92% of the season left. That being said, the Astros have been playing for a week with basically a split squad Mm -hmm. where half their starting lineup has been out due to COVID tracing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, you're going to struggle to score runs, when you're down five starting bats, of course. Yeah, there's a lot of minor league guys in the Astros lineup for the last week. That being said, once those guys come back, uh, as we get into the season, the Astros are going to hit. The the Astros are probably going to have a top five lineup in baseball. There's way too much firepower in that offense to be thinking, oh, they're not going to score runs as we get through uh, the balance of the season. The real issue for the Astros is that outside of Zach Greinke, they don't have a starter that could go 180 innings, you know, and, if, and just now I'm talking about if they're healthy or not. If, if the Astros were to realistically look at innings limits for each pitcher and we use the rule of 50, which is, you know, maintaining that nobody throws more than 50 innings over uh, their, their career high in any given season, due to the risk of injury and and diminished return the following year. Nobody on the Astros, other than Granke, projects to be able to throw 180 innings this year. That means you're going to have to rely more on your bullpen. Now, the Astros bullpen at the start of spring training looked like it was going to have a lot of depth to it. The problem is they've had a rash of injuries in the bullpen where they're down about six arms. And some of the guys who have come back, Uh, Joe Smith's a veteran arm who's been a really good reliever for a long time. He's got also a terrible start. And, you know, Enola Paredes pitched poorly and then got hurt. Uh, Brooks Raley hasn't uh, pitched well. They've gotten a pretty good return out of Ryan Stanek. They signed Pedro Baez, who's a veteran reliever, has been a really good reliever in this league for a long time. Well, he was diagnosed with COVID in spring training and he hasn't done a pitch. So They are beat up in the pen right now due to injuries and some COVID stuff. Steve C. pitched really well for them in spring training, but they decided to let him go because if they had brought him up to the major league roster, he was going to have a salary of like two and a quarter million dollars and the Astros are like 3 million away from the tax line. So they decided not to keep him because of budget concerns. Uh, which has proven to be, a in the early going, a mistake. Uh, That being said, because of the Astros uh, being in a situation where they are so tight against the cap, cap, against the luxury tax, which, look, for all intents and purposes, baseball teams treat it like a cap. So let's just call it what it is. Uh, They're they're very concerned about going over that line. And the Astros are absolutely treating it like a cap. It's going to make a difference in whether this team can really be a contender or not. Obviously, they're going to need to make some reinforcements uh, at the deadline if they're going to go on and want to have World Series aspirations. If they're worried about the cap, they're not going to be able to make any moves. And, And this is a major, major issue Uh, for Jim Crane right now is is he going to allow himself to be held hostage by the luxury tax line, or does he want to try to win? The CBA expires in December. Right. There is at least a 50-50 chance that the luxury tax next season either will not exist or will certainly not exist in the context of what it is right now. The players' association. Has been very adamant. They will not continue to play under the same set of rules as the luxury tax goes up like two million dollars a year. But baseball revenues have gone up massively every single year. Uh, Pre-COVID, baseball had record revenues for 19 straight years. Could
2: we so, see baseball hit a work stoppage?
1: Could we? Be- I think there's a at least a 50 50 chance we have a work stoppage in baseball. You have to understand it from this point of view. Uh, You know, we mocked the NFL when they basically took the players at gunpoint in 2011 and said, you guys get 57 percent of the revenue. We're making more money every single year. Well, we want it back. And they locked the players out and they got new deals to TV uh, networks to pay the owners whether they played football or not. So the owners continued to get paid. The players starved. And ultimately, the players settled it. 47%. 47%. Now they're back up closer to 50 with some revenue kickers. All right, but NFL players get 50% of the revenue. In the NBA they get like about 50 51% of the revenue. In baseball they are barely getting 40% of the revenue. And that number has gone down three straight years. More and more teams do not spend. They do not compete. The luxury tax line holds basically everybody except the Dodgers and the Yankees to some sort of, you know, line in the sand as to how far they'll go. But when you look at the top lines of what teams spend, and then you look at the bottom lines of what teams spend, find the median number. The median number is around 130 million. There are what eight teams that will spend north of 150, but there's 12 teams spending less than 100. The bottom of the league is where the real issue is, not the top of the league. It's all the teams who refuse to spend money that hold down uh, player salary in Major League Baseball. If you're an elite player, there's only five teams that can pay you. And that's really the bigger issue. And I think MLBPA finally gets that. And that's the fight they're going to take to the owners. They're so worried about who can spend the most. The problem is they don't give a damn who spends the least. And you got teams out there that have payrolls less than Trevor Bauer is making this year. Yep. And, you know, back in 2013, the Astros were the butt of the world's jokes because their payroll was less than A-Rod salary. Well, it's eight years later. And we still have that scenario. So that is really the bigger issue. Baseball doesn't need a a luxury tax line. It needs a floor. It needs a floor that as they make, you know, 10 plus, 11 plus billion dollars, get new TV contracts, continue to get uh, people back into the stadiums. And now the revenue streams uh, normalize and continue to go up like they always do. You can't have teams with forty million dollar payrolls. Everybody, there is no excuse for any team in baseball, given the amount of revenue baseball generates, to have a payroll under one hundred and twenty million. Absolutely zero. That's the fight. That's the issue. How do we get the bottom feeders to stop being perennial bottom feeders?
0: Pat Creighton, host of Late Hits, ESPN Radio in Houston. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for clearing, or at least trying to help clear, that Deshaun Watson mess up. And I think I'm actually more confused now. But um, thank you, and uh, hope to have you on again soon. Hopefully this situation uh, starts to resolve itself sometime in the very near future. Thank you, Pat. No problem, fellas. Pick in. All right. When we
2: return our NHL,
0: well, enough is enough, and it's time for a change. And we're back to downtown sports. I'm the mouth of the South, John Shavoni. along with my co-host, the Beast of the East, Jonathan Perriante. want to thank Pat Creighton for coming on, but what we were going to do an NHL top 10. We had explained in the beginning of the episode, the NHL playoff format. But here's the thing. Here's the problem. We have to shelf that for this week, Keith. Mm. We can't do it this week. We, we can't. Because um, we have to do an 8-and-8. Eight eight. We haven't done one of these in a while, but we have to do an 8-and-8. Eight eight. Mm. Because since our conversation with Pat earlier in the day, He sent me an article in The Athletic and I did more research and I found uh, this Bleacher Report thing talking about how the Rockets and the NBA seem to have downplayed the Sterling Brown assault. And our researcher, Tony Mainville, just sent us the release from the NFL describing new rules, rule changes, and a new thing or change to onside kicking, and also what the replay referee can do. So that's the second half of our eight. Let's take the first half and uh, let's go over what exactly happened mm. with Mister uh, Sterling, Sterling Brown mm. starting that clock. Here's the report from Bleacher Report. It says Sterling Brown could have died from injuries, right? The yep. assault on the Rockets guard, this is from Bleacher Report's Rob Goldberg. The assault on Rockets guard Sterling Brown reportedly was much worse than the team indicated on Monday, according to Shams, Sharyana, and Kelly Iko of The Athletic. Um, Brown was reportedly assaulted by three or more men outside of a Miami strip club in the early hours of Monday morning. Sources say Brown attempted to enter the wrong van and exchanged words with at least three people who were responsible for the van. The situation then escalated into all of those individuals jumping brown, physically beating him up, and hitting him in the head with a bottle, leaving blood everywhere before he was taken to the hospital. If he hadn't been as physically strong and tough He might not have made it out of the situation Sunday night, according to a source. He could have died. Players and coaches reportedly feared that he was in critical condition while doctors were concerned about potential blood clotting overnight because of his head injuries. He reportedly received stitches, underwent tests, before being cleared to leave the hospital and return to Houston. Just to end this all off, a source said his face is jacked. Hmm. article goes on to later say uh that rockets teammate kevin porter jr was also roughed up a little bit Hmm. so according to the police report the officers spoke to two men one of them was brown and the other was identified but they refused to cooperate and brown said only that he wanted to be taken to the hospital Brown previously agreed to a $750,000 civil settlement with the Milwaukee Police Department after a complaint of excessive force that took place in January 2018. That would explain his um, attitude towards the police.
2: Well, speaking of Porter Jr., I got a little report here about an hour ago from Tim McMahon of ESPN that he will miss time due to the violation of the NBA's health and safety protocols from visiting that strip club that Sterling Brown got assaulted. Well, what about Sterling Brown? Well quarter will be out till sunday sterling brown obviously is in the hospital by the way he was still recovering from a knee injury in addition to being assaulted at this club so elbow whammy right there
0: so now we obviously don't know the vaccination statuses of the nba players that's hipaa laws and we don't need to know who's vaccinated and who's not but are there different rules for NBA players that are vaccinated versus NBA players that are not? Or is the NBA making everybody follow specific protocol, whether you are vaccinated or not? I know the MLB is changing rules. I would up have as to they think they the NBA is doing something like that. Remember now,
2: when the NBA did their bubble last year, mm-hmm. you basically in the bubble were not allowed to leave that venue unless it was for an emergency reason or whatnot. You were not allowed to just travel wherever you wanted to. You left the bubble,
0: you were going to be dealt with. And Point what down. is with strip clubs being the place that all these guys go to to break quarantine? I mean, that's, that's the first that's an incredible thing.
2: Incredible question to ask. I mean, look, players, players of all, you know, you know when, uh, when you play a long season, a grind, you need to get away from it all for just at least a part of the day, you know, just blow off a little steam, you know, what do you think going home and just resting is going to make the pain of the day go away people go to the bars you know to have
0: a good time right we we used to go to the bar to have a good time right yeah i yeah, before covid didn't we before covid you know i uh maybe i got maybe i had a brewer or two or five or ten but here's the thing why are you going to strip clubs in miami When there's a pandemic running around and you don't know exactly what is happening. You don't know if you're going to catch it. You don't know who around you has it. And especially in the state of Florida, where they seem to not want to wear masks, they actually have active burn the mask rallies. And I saw a flyer for one in Pensacola This is a place where nobody seems to care if they catch COVID-19 or not. So if you're in a city like Miami, in a state like Florida, where you have anti-maskers running around, why are you going to that strip club on that night, first off? Second off, how inebriated must you have been to get in the wrong van and then start to argue with the people that were in the van to the point where you had a bottle smashed over your head?
2: I have a feeling they're going to go a lot deeper into this as we go. This is only – we're only scratching the small surface. Obviously, Brown, thank goodness he's okay. Yes. Thank goodness he's –
0: you know, he's not – he didn't suffer much worse. Any criticism I I lay on the man right now is mainly because he's alive, because he survived the incident. And the other bit of critique I have is it's not so much uh, that he was this hurt or anything like that. That's not it. Why didn't the Rockets put more emphasis into letting people know what happened? Brown didn't cooperate with the police. They didn't want people to know that. So the Rockets. It's been a lost year for them. It has been.
2: It's been a lost year for the Rockets up to this point. They let James Harden go. They're rebuilding. They had they've not, you
0: know, they've gone on a terrible streak. I mean This just adds more to it. But we needed to give you that update as to what happened with that, because when Pat came on, he said, we didn't know many details. We found out some more details. We needed to bring them to you. Um, Oh yeah. By the way, one last little bit about this. An NBA spokesperson told Ico and Sharina from the athletic that the league is investigating the situation. In addition to looking into the altercation, The players' trip to the strip club likely violated the league's health and safety protocols amid the COVID-19 pandemic. So that explains it. So that that basically explains it for Porter
2: Jr. And I'm probably sure once Brown is cleared and able to leave the hospital, I'm sure the same rule is going to be applied to him as well. The
0: NBA is going to send him a get-well card and a suspension slip. A get-well card and a suspension slip. He was already injured, and this just adds more to the Tillman Fertitta. Could 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 have been much worse. Could have been. He could have been dead. Was going to a bar worth that? I mean, was going to a strip club worth that? Was it? Mm -hmm. No. I don't think it was worth getting your face split open because you went into the wrong van because you drank too much. At least that's what I'm assuming happened. He drank too much. But I don't understand how you could be so inebriated and then confrontational that you stepped into the wrong vehicle and then got pissed off when people told you you stepped into the wrong vehicle. So much to the point where you got your teammate assaulted with you at well. That's time for the first half of the eight and eight. Beast, you and Tony told me about something Crazy. Now you need very to very well. Let's get the let's get the second part of this eight and eight up. Let's get the second part. Beast, you can go ahead. We're gonna put eight minutes on the clock for you two. Tell us about these brand new rule changes,
2: Beast. Well, as I'm getting them up, it's uh it's very significant what the NFL is going to be doing next season as far as little changed how play is going to go down. Uh, there've been a lot of there's been a lot of a lot of debate with what the NFL needed to do with changing rules with penalties, etc. Okay. So here's going to be a little preview. Oh great. The owners approved a new set of rules on Wednesday for the 2021 season, one of which will expand the influence of replay officials. Ongoing, de- amid ongoing demands from coaches for more oversight of game day officials. This is from Kevin Seifert, staff writer for ESPN.com. You
0: know what this is, right? So, you know what first this is, little right? change. Replay you know officials. This is, right? hmm? See this? You know what this is? Yes. I kept the bucket around because whenever the NFL announces rule changes, it starts to you know, get in my stomach a bit.
2: Replay officials will not be able to throw flags or reverse calls on their own. Okay. But they can now offer referees advice based on what they've seen on broadcast replays in the areas of possession, completed or intercepted passes, location of the ball relative to the boundary or end line, and whether a player is down by contact.
1: That's a big Wait. change
2: right there. That's pretty big. Hold on. Replay officials before were limited to participating in plays that were under review. So now they're going to be broadened even more. You're going to really broaden the use of the, of the replay officials now instead of just in the last two minutes.
0: Wait a minute. So I have a question. Coach, One question. Yes. The replay official was not allowed to speak to officials about calls? From, like this let's seems say like a, a coach call. decided he was going to throw a challenge flag The replay official has nothing to do with any sort of decision-making whatsoever at that point in time until now, now they could be, now we're going to see this rule change for 2021. So now they can be involved when before they could not, why wasn't the replay official allowed to speak to the on field officials about replay calls? Why was that a thing that needed to be amended? That's a very good question. Why it took till
2: 2021 to finally do it? Beyond me. Roger Goodell, ladies and gentlemen. Coaches will not have to throw challenge legs to prompt the advice of, well, the replay officials. Rich McKay, the chairman of the NFL Competition Committee, said neither the committee nor owners felt comfortable adding an additional official with full authority. So. I mean, can you believe Yeah. You believe it's got to that point now where we don't even trust an authority of an official
0: or regular official. So they're saying that the replay official whose job it is to analyze replays and, you know, say, Hey guys, you ought to review this. That person's not qualified to review film and throw a flag. That's what you're telling me. Yeah. Let's keep going. It could we have even more
2: rules that are going to be kind of thrown in here, and it's going to be very interesting how these rules are going to be utilized. The, end, the owners approved a one-year experiment to make it easier to recover onside kicks. Wait, in 2001, what? the receiving team on kickoffs will be limited to nine players within 25 yards of the ball. So, so see the difference right there? You can't stack anymore.
0: So we can no longer put all, tw- all 11 men on the field Right there, there has to be two sent to the back. As in, like, the way you would for a normal kickoff. You can't just stack a whole bunch of hands, guys, and not have anybody hanging back for a return. hmm Last season, NFL
2: teams only recovered three of 67 onside kicks, which was the
0: lowest total in recovery rate since 2001. Do you think this could mean the onside kick becomes – a more used thing versus a desperation move at the end of a game. It's going to be more prevalent, I think.
2: You're going to see, you're going to see some coaches that are not afraid to kind of roll the dice. Maybe not afraid to take a little chance if they see something. Look, Sean Payton in the Super Bowl did an onsite kick
0: that changed the scope of the game. He didn't do that. The Saints were not winning the Super Bowl. So now that you can't stack, those things become easier. You said Philadelphia's owner or general manager or somebody suggested something, right? Yes, teams be given an option
2: to gain 15 yards on one offensive play from their own 25-yard line to retain possession after a score. What happens if they don't?
0: It doesn't really go into that. It just—it was just. Would it then be that the the opponent gets the ball on whatever yard line, either the play ended on or the 25-yard line? Even I think. Again, this is only from. This is still in relation to onside
2: kicks. So. I guess if you you know like how when you, you you kick off the when you kick off the ball, you kick it from the thirty-five yard line, let's yes. just say, or whatever. Yes. But then when you start a possession, like if it's a kick goes out of bounds, you start it from the twenty-five yard line.
0: We have two proposals on the table. Now, what we're seeing is the first one where only nine men allowed near within twenty-five feet of the ball, right? Yep. Either team, right? On each side. Mm-hmm. And then Philly came up with this crazy proposal. Are they considering the crazy proposal? We haven't really; it hasn't really
2: been, uh, I guess, given approval. I don't; I don't know if this is going to pass. To be very frank with you. Okay. Again, it's just a proposal. It's nothing final. So. Thank God. A rule was also tabled that would have expanded the area where players are prohibited from blocking below the waist. McKay says there's enough evidence to support passing the rule now, but that several teams had questions that it will take some time to address. They could come back to it by next month. So they might actually be banning chop blocks from more areas of the field. It would make sense. I mean, we've been having – it's not been as prevalent anymore, but the chop blocks are always a – have always been a problem in the mm-hmm. NFL. And sometimes, again, somebody can get really hurt when you yes. chop block. You can really hurt a player. You can really severely injure somebody.
0: Yeah, that's shattering somebody's knee, breaking a femur, compound fractures. Look at Dak. Look at Dak Prescott. You'll have a whole every week. You'll have a brand new Dak Prescott if you don't uh, control chop blocks like you have been in the NFL so far. Yep. What are the rest of these crazy rules?
2: Well, some of them are very small. Elimination of overtime in preseason games makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, players, including running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, defensive backs, and linebackers, can all wear numbers in the single digits. Used to be only double digits.
0: Let me explain yeah, why that's significant. Let me explain why that's significant. Back yep. in the day, there used to not be as much video recognition technology and stuff like that as there was as there is today. So you would need your quarterback or your punter or your kicker to wear a single number so that referees in the middle of a scrum can determine if a quarterback was hit illegally or a kicker was hit illegally or a punter was cracked in the head, or something of that nature makes it easier to identify that player on the field so that you can either, A, protect them, B, know where your quarterback is, a whole bunch of reasons. It's not necessary anymore. Yeah. Let's keep going. There will
2: also be a rule change that will now force a loss of down if two passes are
0: completed behind the line of scrimmage. Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson are going to have to figure out new ways to make their money. Well, Lamar Jackson's gonna have to
2: learn more how to throw the football down the field instead of just running. And that's the eight and eight. There it is. And there'll They'll be more the rules count. to come. There's gonna be a lot more other changes to come, and we'll we'll address them as we get a little closer to the NFL season. We'll have the schedules revealed
0: by May twelfth. Ooh. I'm gonna wanna tune in for that. You're going to want to see where the Jets and Giants are playing, especially. But with that, we are going to end today's edition. They have a very interesting schedule coming up. They do. But with that, we're going to end this edition of Downtown Sports. I'd like to thank Patrick Creighton for coming on and explaining this Deshaun Watson madness. I would also like to thank Tony Mainville, our researcher Chris DeLarge, our statistician. Thank you guys for what you guys have contributed to the show this week. Feast, tell them one more time where they can hear us. We are on 13 different platforms. We're on Anchor,
2: Breaker, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Born, Pod Day, Listen Notes, and Podcast Addict. We are on Tuesday, Wednesdays, every week. Rants, episodes, digital, market, battles.
0: Downtown sports, we are. And we are where sports come home. For the Beast of the East, Jonathan Pariente. I am the mouth of the South. John Shavoni. saying, we're out. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.